my lips will praise you because your mercy is better than life. So I will thank you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands to pray in your name. You satisfy my soul with the riches of food. My mouth will sing your praises with joyful lips. Hallelujah. His mercy is new every morning. And it's better than life itself. Thank you, oh Father. We can come into your presence and sit at the feet of Jesus. We humble our hearts before you that we receive what the Spirit of the, of the Lord of His grace can have for us. You are worthy of all praise. We enter your throne because of the blood of Jesus. David said, where can I flee from your presence? In, you're in heaven, you're there. In hell, you're there. I cannot flee from the presence of God. But the breath of God sustains us. We thank you, Father. Speak to us, not as children, but as mature. Let us feed on your goodness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you're amongst us. You are the teacher. Have your way tonight. Pour out your spirit. We long for your spirit. Fill us to overflow. That the name of Jesus is glorified. Not just by what we say, but what we do. And we receive your love and mercy tonight. We thank you for your wonderful mercy on the cross. We thank you, you shed your blood, that you set us free. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Kids, you can be dismissed. They're gone. Praise God. How are you all today? Awesome. Who likes the new seating arrangements? <laughs> We're trying to do it so no one can hide. <laughs> we've put, um, we've added some uh, electrical devices under your seat so whoever falls asleep, we press a button, you get zapped. You get tasered. <laughs> Some of you guys are used to getting tasered. No, I'm joking. We good? Praise God. Just quickly, um, happy birthday, Eva. 40th birthday. God bless you and your family and what you do for, not only for your family and for Chris and Chris and for the ministry and for the family of God. So we honor you guys. And um, I don't know, last week, uh, everyone knows, Marnie and DJ had a baby boy, King Josiah. I mean, Josiah, he's King Josiah. 
Congratulations there as well. Praise be in the name of Jesus. Amen. Everyone good? Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, last week I wasn't here. Thank you for releasing me. I have very important business. Joking. I coached the footy side for one day. And uh, we won just quietly. But um, I started a series a week before about one fire, many flames. So I want to continue on a little bit about that, what, I, what I mean by that so we can get a picture and an idea of what God has called us to do. And today I want to talk about something in the Old Testament, something in the New Testament. Um, the Old Testament is a very big part. Some people say, you don't need the Old Testament anymore, throw it out. We're New Testament believers, which is true. But how do you throw out, how do you throw out the foundation of what we believe? How do we understand that the Old Testament is a concealer and the New Testament is the revealer. And if we don't understand uh, who Christ was, what he has said, see, a lot of people can tell me what God is saying to them to do. Oh, God told me this, and God showed me that, and God did this. And, but they can never tell me what God has written. Many, oh, but God showed me this, and God's telling me this, and I'm going to go do this. But what has God already said? So I can never go somewhere or do something for God unless I know what he's already said. Pretty quiet here on a Sunday. I need to know what he said. See, when the devil attacked Jesus in the desert, Jesus could have said, I'm the Son of God. I'm the Alpha and the, I'm the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the first and I'm the last. He said, no, it is written. So we need to know what he has said. The Old Testament is a pattern to show us the spiritual meaning. God sends the natural to show us the supernatural. Everyone wants the supernatural. Um... I love the supernatural. People say to me, oh, God doesn't do supernatural things anymore. Then you're not, you can't get saved because salvation is supernatural. And just because people don't understand some things of the supernatural and some people have perverted the supernatural and made a mockery of the supernatural, it doesn't mean the supernatural doesn't exist. I thank God for the supernatural. I wouldn't be standing here if God didn't throw me off a couch. I had no theology for getting thrown off a couch. <laughs> pretty quiet tonight so it looks like yeah. no jokes for you today that's it you're, in, you're all reprimanded but i want to emphasize that one fire many flames we know in the day of pentecost the bible says that the holy spirit came through like a rushing wind and tongues of fire they look like tongues of fire separated on each one individual and then they were baptized in the holy spirit and they started to speak with tongues as the spirit gave them the utterance We know that John the Baptist said, just recapping, John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. And fire means a lot of different things in the Old Testament. Fire can speak of God's presence. Fire can speak of God's judgment. God, and it speaks of God's... Um, when, Moses spoke to, to, when Moses spoke to God through the burning bush, it got his attention. But he noticed something that the fire was burning, but it wasn't consuming the bush. We know that the fire was at night when the Israelites walked through the desert. There was a pillar of smoke in the day and fire at night guiding the way. In the temple, they used fire. And today we're going to talk a little bit about that. Just to show you that God is serious about how do we enter into his presence. So we, we, we'll see what God says about certain things. Because... 
the, the title of the message is obviously one, but a strange fire. And something in the Old Testament. So let's go to Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. I'll give you a bit of a background. These two guys here are Aaron's sons, the oldest son and the second oldest son. When God established the tabernacle, when God said to Moses, this is what we're going to do, build me a tabernacle. These are the laws you've got to keep, all the Ten Commandments, the Mosaic law, the dietary law, how to dress, what to do, how to build the altar. Everything was done precisely. And Aaron is the brother of Moses, and the brother of Moses him and his children and his lineage for the rest of their life will be the priests unto God. They would be the priests that would minister into the temple up until Jesus came. So that was Aaron, Moses' brother. And he had two sons and they learned how to minister to God. The way they dressed and what they were meant to do and how they cleansed themselves. There was all these protocols to get into God's presence. Because unlike today, that we can just come and go as we please. In those days you couldn't. We can enter into God's presence today and ask God's presence to come upon us. Why? Because we're better than the Old Testament people? I don't think so. We can come because of the blood of Jesus. Jesus tore the veil on the cross. When he gave up his spirit, the veil was torn. And because of his blood shedding, God received the sacrifice, which allowed the spirit of God. The Bible says the spirit of God left the temple. And look what it says. It says, the Spirit of God left the temple and no longer ever to be in a man-made temple again. The Spirit of God doesn't dwell in temples made by hands of man anymore. He only dwells in the hearts of those who believe Him. That's why you are the temple of the Holy Spirit if you have your faith and trust in Jesus. Amen? I just lost half the internet. So these two guys... Nabadad and I think it's Abu, what? That's the one, yeah. Let's call them Harry and Tom for the sake of, uh, for this exercise. <laughs> so they're the priests, they come into the temple and they offer up offerings, sacrifices in the temple and burnt offerings and they light fire and they put incense like Bakhur if you're a leb or <laughs> into the fire and it burns into the temple. But here, something happens. And the sons of Aaron each took his own censer and put fire in it and put incense on it and, it and it offered a profane, the King James, that's New King James, the King James says a strange fire. Another translation says unauthorized flame or fire. Before the Lord which he had not commanded them. Next verse. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. Who wants to be a priest now? What happened? These guys did this every day. They understood the protocol. They were taught by Moses, God through Moses, to do this. And yet, here it says they offered up a profane or an unauthorized or a, a, a strange fire that was not common to God. Now what they would have had to do is with the fire they had to get was from the altar that's already burning in the temple. They either, they argue about what actually happened, they either got lit, lit the fire themselves, put it in uh, what they were doing and then added it and then went into the temple. Or another verse a bit further down says that they weren't allowed to be drunk at all, they had to be sober. So whether they were drunk, 
whether they did it wrong or whether they just treated God as common and just went in the temple thinking, you know, it consumed them and burnt them up and they died. And then Moses says to his dad and his brothers, do not mourn, keep moving on. This is to show you that I am holy. And you cannot enter into God's presence the way you want. You will enter because he's holy. Amen? Amen. Now we are New Testament believers. And I praise God that we are New Testament believers. But it doesn't change God's holiness. Grace is not a cover-up for you to live the way you want, then enter his presence and treat him like a genie in a bottle. Grace is not even a, a place where you can say, well, I'm not under law, I'm under grace. That's true. But if you are under grace and not under law, then he must be so holy that he gave us that mercy that we didn't have to obey that and die under the law. Do we really know what we have as Christians? That's my question. What do we really believe? These two guys were devoured by the fire of God. They treated the Lord as common. And that was a lesson for any future guys. Now we know a lot of things happened after that. And we have a story in the New Testament where Ananias and Sapphira, who decided to lie to the Holy Spirit, and the same thing happened to them. What God is establishing in us has to be protected through faith, has to be protected through obedience. And remember, Rabbi is saying a lot of the times now what the Lord's telling us what to do in the altar, you come up for prayer, don't boast in his presence. Don't come up here for a magic wand. You're coming, if you're coming to the front for prayer, you're not coming to us, you're coming in the standing in the presence of the Lord. And we, 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 we do never want to take it for granted what God's doing in us. God is so merciful. God is so loving. God is the God of the second chance, the third chance. The, he's so, he want, his mercy is new every morning. But in order to approach God in the Old Testament, it came within a reverent fear. But in the New Testament, how do we please God? God's not interested in sacrifices. He's interested in what? Obedience. I desire mercy, not sacrifices. If you have a, it used to say, if you have a, a gift to bring to the altar, but you have something against your brother, put the gift down and go and reconcile with your brother, because that, that, I desire that more than your, your sacrifice. Hebrews 11, and verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him, meaning God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I do not please God by my sacrifices. I do not please God how much Bible I read. Does it please God how much the poor I feed? Does, does not please God one bit. What pleases God is faith. But what is that faith that pleases God? if I'm coming to God, I must first believe that He is. So the first thing is, I have faith that God has sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for me. He's not talking about God, um, God's pleasing me if I believe for a job, I've got a job, that's the faith He put. No, no, no. God provides all my needs according to His riches and glory. But the faith He's talking about is when I come to God knowing that He sent His Son on the cross. So my faith and trust is in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Are you with me? Too many people have faith in faith. I've got faith in my faith. 
What do you mean? Well, I gave to the poor. That means God's going to give me back a hundredfold. So you don't trust God for your provision. You trust God because you gave. That's faith in faith. Or I have faith in what I do for God. Like, uh, I, I did all the right things. Remember I said that? I thought, oh, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this. And God says, but that's what you're meant to do. Remember the, the analogy, uh, you know, the, 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 the mum guilt trip, you know, the mum that guilt trips her son. I raised you, I nursed you, I changed your nappy, I fed you, you used to cry all night. I go, that's what you're meant to do. You don't get a reward for doing what's right. They want a reward for that. Amen. <laughs> Tell your mother that. So when God is pleased with me, it's not what I do for him, it's the faith I have in him. And out of that, I do for him. I don't do it because I have to. I do it because I want to. I don't do because I need to get his, 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 um, his favor or I need to get his blessings. I'm blessed because I'm his son. You're blessed because you're his son and daughter. See, someone said to me the other day, oh, how do I fix my financial problem? I'll find the love of God. But how does that fix financial problem? The love of God. That doesn't make sense. I've got a financial problem. What does love got to do with it? What is love? I should write a song, eh? <laughs> No, no, if I don't understand God's love as, and then understand God, He's my provider and He supplies all my needs, my financial problem is going, is going to go away. Hello? It all stems from what He's done for me. And I live out of that. And then I start to understand the reasons by what I do. See, fire can consume you or edify you. It's your attitude to, to the fire. How many people come up for prayer, let's be honest, and needed a word, and you prayed for a word, and you fasted for a word, and when you got the word, you didn't like it? <laughs> Lord, I want you, whatever you say, I do. And then you give them the word, and they get offended, and they leave, and never come back. I remember once, I needed a word. I needed about 15 words, but um, at the time, I was going through a lot, and I needed a word. And I came, and someone was praying, and I'm preaching, we're praying, and then as I was leaving, someone said, look, I've got a word for you. Oh, yeah, what is it? And I got in my car and I'm saying, oh, yeah, hopeless, no idea, lady. You know, she had no idea what she was talking about. Doesn't understand. By the time I got to the corner and I was turning left, the Lord spoke to me and said, she was right and you were wrong. I said, sorry, Lord, I repent. <laughs> when I got the word, I knew it was right, but I didn't want to accept it. See, it's not what I want to hear. It's what I need to hear. Paul, the apostle of grace, the apostle of faith, is now towards the end of his life, he got arrested and they're taking him from one city to another to trial him. So Paul says, you know, I'm a Roman citizen. I've got rights, you know. So he goes, I want to appeal. So he appealed to Caesar. So now they're going to take him to Rome to hear the case. Basically, he, he um, said, that's it. I'm a Roman citizen. I've got rights. You can't just keep put, locking me up for no reason. So now he's going to go see, the, you know, like the, the high court of the land. And now he's on a boat and they, they're crossing the sea. And he says to the guy, listen, I don't think we should travel now because you know, I believe in whether he discerned it, whether he knew the weather, he says, look, we're going to run into trouble. And he goes, you're a prisoner, shut up, we're going. Well, they ran into a storm for 14 days, destroyed the boat. They ended up falling into the water, grabbing onto some of the uh, timbers of the boat, and they basically found land in, in, in the place is Malta. Any Maltese here? Well, you're going to get a start. You didn't get a start tonight. Then. They ended up there. And we'll pick it up. I want to read something to you. 
Strange fires can determine two things. Either you get judged or you get edified. Either it, burn, it burns you up spiritually or it, it burns the dross that's inside you so you can be fulfilled the call of God in your life. No one wants to go through fire. No one wants to go through pain. No one wants to go through testing periods. But unfortunately, we're at a point now in the world that God wants to love you, but he wants to put you through some things. I'm not saying he puts sickness on you. I'm not, that, that's silly. What I'm saying is you might be going through some stuff and the only person that's going to help you is you and God, not me and you and God. We have come so codependent on the pastor and on the leader and on the next best motivational TikTok uh, and the next best song and we don't know how to sit with him to get the answer we need because we're not used to it. We've been spoon-fed. So let's have a look what happened to Paul. Paul was not immune to problems. If Paul was here today going through what he went through today, You'd have a conference against him saying he's out of God's will because he keeps getting arrested. He's not got God's favor because he's always getting attacked by the devil. He's not much good because he gets kicked out of cities. That guy's no good. That's today's model of an apostle. That's what they would do with him. But we know was, God in, was, was Paul in God's will? Was God's favor upon Paul? Well, he went through so much, but nothing could stop him. He was so dead to himself. Were they put him in jail? Or didn't put him in jail. Whether he, he had, he said, or whether I had lack or I had abundance. Whether I had food, I've been pressed from every side, nearly to death. But we still glorify the Lord. That's where God wants us, people. This is where we're coming into. So now, the shipwreck on an island in Malta. And let's pick it up from verse 1. And um, it's up there. So now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. Or grey stones. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled the fire and made us welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul gathered up a bundle of sticks, he laid them on the fire. A viper came out because of the heat and fastened it on his hand. Here we are, they built a fire. And the minute they built the fire, he goes, oh, I better help with this fire. So he goes and gets some kindle, some extra wood, and he puts it in the fire. And because the fire is burning now, the heat of the fire, a viper or a snake jumps out and bites him on the hand. And it's interesting to note that the fire didn't cause the snake. The fire revealed there was a snake. See, sometimes we go through some stuff and we say, oh, if I didn't find God, this wouldn't happen to me. Or if I didn't get involved with these people in the church, this wouldn't happen to me. Or, no, no, no. The presence of God has revealed what was already there. And we don't like that. When we ask God, forgive me more love, and then someone sits next to you that he cannot be loved. <laughs> Come on now. The fire did not bring the snake. The fire revealed, hey, pastor. <laughs> The fire revealed the snake. And sometimes in God's presence, there's things about us we do not like. Sometimes I'm in God's house and there are people rubbing it up the wrong way and maybe the pastor should preach a sermon to teach them a lesson. Someone said that to me once. I said, well, let me, let me preach about all your sins one night. No, no, no. We're in God's presence for a reason. The Bible says iron 
sharp as iron. Now, I'm not saying that some people just don't get on, because some people, like I said, they get on your nerves. <laughs> no one said amen. People don't like me saying that some people are a blessing when they come over, and they're even better blessing when they leave. <laughs> Jokes. I love you all, all right? Even though some of you annoy me, but I love you, Joe. So the fire here in this situation revealed that there was a snake, and it latches onto him. Now, without reading the whole thing, he's in a foreign land, and these people are superstitious because if you keep reading, they saw the snake jump out and hit him. And he just shook it off. And what did he do? He threw it back into the fire. And they said, hey, hey, this guy must be a murderer. Because the snake bit him in the hand. He's going to curl up and die any minute now. That shipwreck was God's judgment. And they're, they're, he's a murderer. And when they found out he just kept moving on, nothing happened. He didn't die. They said, he must be God. <laughs> so they were superstitious people. They, had a, they weren't believers. And sometimes I feel like, can't hang out with non-believers because they'll pervert me. Hang on, maybe God's put you in a scenario at work where you keep whinging about your job because they're all non-believers. Maybe God's put you there to light the fire so you can kindle it, so you can bring salvation. Because if you don't deal with the issue with God, you can run from job to job, city to city, relationship to relationship and not get healed because the problem is not them, the problem is you. I see people all the time, God told me to buy a van and be a courier driver. I said, praise God. Three months later, he sold the van and he's doing something else. I go, what happened? Because God told me to sell it. I go, praise God. Then three months later, he's doing I go, bro, he's got schizophrenic. <laughs> <laughs> Has God lost his marbles? God doesn't change his mind every three seconds. And we want it to be God. God's not the author of confusion. See, when they lit the fire, the Bible says that poor went and got kindled. And it's interesting. It'd been raining. The Bible says it's been raining and falling. The rain was falling and it was cold. And he went and got some kindle, which means he got some wood to put on the fire. But wouldn't you think the wood would be wet? He got it anyway. He didn't have an excuse saying, well, there's no point in trying to you know, spruce up the fire because it's wet. It's been raining. I'm not going to go find any dry wood. You know. He didn't have any excuses. See, we've got too many excuses why we can't get into God's presence. You all wish you came today. You were wrapped now. You? That, that chicken snitch was looking better every five minutes, isn't it? See, he helped kindle the fire. See, when God lights a fire in your heart, God lit me up 21 years ago. But if I don't start adding to the fire, putting kindle and putting timber, which is what, what did I say that was last time? Obedience, faith in the word, meditation on his word, praying in the spirit, fellowship with one another, not forsaking the gathering of the rhythm. To keep that fire afloat. Because people say to me, I'm burnt out, I've got to leave. I go, the fire of God doesn't burn you out. It's the lack of your it's the lack of obedience that burns you out. God's presence does not burn you out. Because maybe you're doing stuff in your own strength and calling it God, and you say, I'm burnt out. Number two, which I already said it, when God's fire is present, it will reveal the vipers in your life. Number three, what did he do? He shook off the snake and didn't, have it, didn't put it on TikTok. 
and say, you don't know what happened to me today. I got a testimony, brother. The testimony there. And everyone's looking at the testimony, brother. And, I, and the snake beat me. You should have seen how big the snake. I have big men are fruit in the fire. Praise be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes. Uh, click like and subscribe if you like this channel. <laughs> that ticks me off the most. Like, oh, please. <laughs> he shook it off and just... Like it's normal. We've got to be real people. We testify about the smallest thing. And I give God, I don't despise small beginnings. I give God all the glory for my life. But not everyone needs to know you had a headache and then you, you drank five glasses of water and prayed and the headache went and that's a testimony. Sit down. Stop talking to people. You're embarrassing yourself. See, we ask for prayer for things that we should be believing for and walking in it just because just because we're the children of God. I'm not being rude and I'm not trying to put you down. I'm just saying that some things we're pleased by the small we should have the faith. It should be we should be supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural. What I mean is the supernatural shouldn't be like, wow, we should have the wow factor that God's moving, but it can't be like, oh, wait, why did that happen? No, it's got to happen. When you walk into the room, you should change the atmosphere of the room. Not saying there's too many devils here, I better leave. Everywhere I go, whether it's the job site, a footy field, or work, I'm in control. Why? Because my father's come with me to work. And the presence of God comes into the workplace. He doesn't leave because the bloke next to me is playing ACDC and it's offending him. I was in a lift not long ago before I went to Brazil, the plumber. By the time he got from level 21 to the loading dock, he was crying and gave his life to the Lord. Why? Another guy, an odd job site, wanted to, wanted to kick him off the job. <laughs> and he got saved and he was going to commit suicide that night. Your presence, what you carry... The fire that you carry is with you 24-7, not just in church. Stop looking for the magic wand and start looking within you and say, God is with me, who can be against me? Amen. See, this is the lifestyle God's asking us. Paul just shakes it off, throws it back in the fire. And I go, man, he should have died. Now he's, he must be God. And look what it bit him. If you read, keep reading, I can't remember, where is it here? Can we go to verse, 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 verse. Something. And it bit him in the hand, right? So the native saw a bit in the hand. Then he went to pray for someone in verse, get a verse 7. And it says that in that region there was an estate of the leading citizen of that island, whose name was Pub, who received us <laughs> and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of this guy, Pub, you know, Publis, Lay sick of a fever. And what's that word, everyone? <laughs> Paul went to him and prayed. And he laid his... Where did the snake bite him? On him and healed them. Sometimes when you got, God puts a calling and an anointing on your life, the enemy will come and attack that very thing that God needs to use. See, he could have cried and said, Wow, what are we going to do... Uh, what, is that a deadly snake? I don't know. I've never seen that snake. No, no. He just went by faith, shook it off and kept moving on. What he, why? 
The enemy came to bite. What did he try to do? Because the very next thing is he goes to pray for the guy that runs the show, his father, and look what it says. So when he was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. But it does not tell me anywhere in that scripture that they took the handcuffs off Paul. He was a prisoner. So I would have had him in some sort of change just in case he escaped. He's a prisoner on his way to be trialed in a courtroom. No 40-day fast for intercession to make sure that Caesar lets him off or the judge lets him off or maybe God will shipwreck the, the, the boat so he can escape. No, no, no. All he did was lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The very fire that they lit, one fire caused many flames. Look what happened. The whole city got saved. The whole of Malta got saved. He bit him on the hand. The very thing he was about to lay hands on someone, the enemy attacked. You see, it's according to your faith. See, I get every day, if I don't get 20 phone calls a day, not so much these days because I don't really answer anymore. But when I did answer, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. The devil's doing this to me. The devil's doing that to me. The devil's doing this to me. The devil said this to me. I had a dream about the devil. Okay, yeah, but what is God doing? They can't tell you, but I can tell you. Everything the devil's doing, they can't tell you what God's doing. I'm not doubting that the devil's coming after you. The Bible says he's coming after you. But why would you give him all the credit? Why would you magnify him and not magnify the Lord? Why don't we edify the kingdom of God where he set us free and by his precious blood we're saved? That we don't have to live like that anymore. See, don't tell me what the enemy's doing to you. Tell the enemy what God has done for you. Amen? We're going to learn to change what we say. Because the devil can only have and do to you what permission you give him. He's defeated at the cross. Jesus paraded him, made a public spectacle. Don't whinge when you get attacked or you're going for some hard times because maybe there's two things happening. God's called you and anointed you and you're there to teach that problem a lesson. Sometimes you're going through some stuff so you can teach that problem a lesson. Sometimes God's got you in a position to take the punches for someone else because one day that what you did will allow salvation to come through them. You can read it through the scripture everywhere. The fire of God will always lead you to the, your destiny. It will always lead you to your destiny. You see, when I stand in God's presence, what can I give God? Let's be honest. What can you give God? What could you give God that's any value to him, that would change him, that would make him happy? What can you give to God if he's truly God? If he's the almighty, what can we give him? What can we really give him? It says it's impossible to please God without faith. So all I can do is surrender my life to him. See, the problem with our mentality is surrender and I've got to surrender, I've got to submit, I've got to be accountable. They're all words we don't like because we want to be our own gods. But when I, give you, when I gave my life to the Lord, he took over. That's what he did. He put his character and nature into me. He put nature into you. So the best way is to surrender. Imagine trying to do it on your own. The amount of fires that you can go through in your life is not God punishing you. It's God purging you. What's he trying to purge you of? Yourself. 
How do you think? How do you feel when certain things happen? Is God the be-all and end-all of your life? Or is it the circumstance? See, most of us today would have tried to fix the boat. The boat collapsed. Let's fix the boat. Get out. Get off the island. Some of us said, man, look, there's snakes here. Let's get off this island. What does Paul do? He manifests the kingdom of God. He operates in who he is. And he doesn't allow... He, I don't know if he knew people were sick on the island. I don't know any of that. All I know is wherever he is, is holy ground. Wherever you are is where God's presence is, wherever you are. We've got to learn that. Because you are the church. Some people can only operate in the kingdom of God when the environment's right. I don't see Paul... Being a free man, he was actually under incarceration, getting him from one place to another. And in that time, the kingdom of God was manifest. In that time, something that should have killed him didn't kill him. In that time, people you should have hated, he prayed for. In that time, he had so much favour. If you read it totally, he ends up going to Rome on a P&O cruiser after that. They came and took him. He lived there. They gave him money when he left the island of Malta. He ended up buying a place or renting a place, whatever they do in those days. But he lived there until he died. God's favour was upon him in the worst circumstances. Is your situation dire at the moment? Are you living a life right now thinking, man, I've got some issues, I've got some problems, I've got some emotional issues, I've got some you know, financial issues. Are we, got, are we just like clutching at straws here trying to work out who we are and not allowing the kingdom of God to be manifest? See, sometimes we need to go in a fire to find out who we really are. Shadrach, Meshach and that billy goat. No, Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar threw him in the fire. Yeah, it was Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, it was. And he goes, now make it seven times hotter. The people that made the fire seven times hotter got burnt and died. And there's three men. They go, whether God saves us or he doesn't save us, he's still God. We will not bow down to you, Nebuchadnezzar. We only bow down to our God. They put him in the fire. They're in the fire. It's burning. And he's watching. And he's watching. Then he says, did we put three people in that fire? He goes, yeah. But I see a fourth in there. Another man who looks like the son of man. Guess who showed up in the fire? The precarnated Jesus stood up in the fire. The Bible says that thing burnt and they walked out of the fire. They didn't get burnt and their clothes didn't even smell like smoke. It took the fire to reveal the Nebuchadnezzar that God is real and these people have enough faith, no matter what you do to them, they're going to stand firm in truth. It took the fire. I believe that's a prophetic time of the end times. I believe there's seven times tribulation coming, whether you like, whether some people believe they're going before that or after that. I just believe that the enemy's going to throw so much at us, but we need to know that whatever fire you're going through, the fourth man standing there, Jesus. He's always with you and never leave you and never forsake you. I do believe. Because some people around the world are getting persecuted and killed and in famine and pestilence under judgment between Christians already. Just because we don't see it, it's happening. But we need to learn whether I have lack or whether I have an abundance. I'm standing firm in who I am with my Father in any situation. See, who wants to know a secret how to be delivered? Anyone wants to be delivered, totally delivered? Who wants to know the secret of deliverance? 
Anyone else? Three people, four people, five people. Can I hear six people, seven people, eight people, nine people? Who wants to be delivered? Who wants to know the secret? I've never revealed this before. I want to reveal it now. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. We have so much emphasis on me and what I've been through, and you don't know what they've done to me. And I said, well, they've done it. Get over it. But you don't know what I've been through. You've been through it. It's done. See, God doesn't want you to live in the past. I'm not saying what happened to you is, is good and it's not. But why would I edify that and not edify who Jesus is in my life? You sh show me your list, I'll show you mine. I didn't say, show me mine, I'll show you yours, all right? Get your mind out of the gutter, right? People say, you don't know what I've been through, Tony. Show me what you've been through, write it down, and I'll show you what I've been through, and let's compare them. And then when we compare them, we say, how dumb are we? We're comparing what the devil's done, and we're not showing you what Jesus has already done for us. You can live back there if you want. I don't want to live there. He set me free. I've tasted the heavenly good. Why should I go back to the past? Why would, I allow the, why would I even allow my flesh to control me when I know my Savior is risen? Amen. He's risen, standing next to me. You know, I find it funny. Well, it's not funny when you die, but, you know, when these guys died, that what happened to these two priests in the beginning, the first story, happened to the same guy that was familiar with the Ark of the Covenant. We shared about that, how they put it on the back of the horse and cart or the oxen and car, and it fell, and he tried to help it, and he touched it, and he died. And he goes, God's cruel. No, no, God's not cruel. God's showing you you can't enter into a place that you're, for, un, you're forbidden to go. You cannot go into God's presence and God's likeness and get into a place with God unlawfully because you'll die. Now you might say, well, that's a bit harsh. That's Old Testament. What about New Testament? What about New Testament believers doing things that they shouldn't be doing and calling it God? You're spiritually dying. I'm trying to help everyone. Yeah, well, that's 47 people that you got on your list. And you're dying. I'm all for helping people. But what, what point? See, some people can get attached to a ministry, a church, a pastor, an organization, so they don't have to deal with themselves. See, the more busy I get in God, I'm not talking in the world, in God, the less I have to deal with myself. The less I have to look myself in the mirror and say, man, I need to repent of some things. Oh, God, I need you to help me in this area. Because I just get busy doing things for God, I don't have to deal with God. That's what burns people out. They sit around people who are negative, or even Christians who have not seen one miracle, and they say God doesn't do miracles anymore, because that fell away with the disciples and dispensationalism and sensationalism. And they sit with them because they got their theology right, and yet they, they long for the supernatural. Well, of course God's not doing miracles. He only moves through faith, and you have none. What? What is God trying to say to us here in these last days? He says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on who? Men and women. See, in the Old Testament, it was only for men. We know God used women, but it was all solely geared up for men. And God just knocks it out of the park and says, but in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, men and women, servants and male and female servants, and you'll be filled with the same power as the Spirit fills you with the Holy Spirit. And you'll be more witnesses to the end. So what's he saying? 
He's got us geared up. He's given us all the tools. Do we know how to use them? See, it's very interesting to know. I talk to people a lot, especially now with what's going on around the world and everyone's got an opinion. I find it fascinating that the very same people that didn't trust the media during COVID now trust the media in the war. All of a sudden, the media is right. Everything they're showing you is 100%. But two years ago, you were protesting in the Hyde Park with your banner. We just get tossed from every wind and doctrine. And we don't stand up for, what does the Bible say? What's the Spirit of God saying to me? Don't think God's going to speak to you if you don't know His Word. Sorry to tell you, you'll get a revelation, you'll get an encounter. But God expects you to eat through His Word because He doesn't speak to you outside His Word. If you don't know his word, I'm not talking about being a theologian. I'm not talking, but I say, if you don't know him, you're going to get to know him through a nice experience with goosebumps on a Sunday night. You're going to get to know him through his word. Once I get to know him through his word, he wants to speak to you more than you're willing to sit with him. That's the truth. God is not playing hide and seek. These analogies of fire and wind and water, is always here to show us one thing. That God's willing to pour out everything he's got in heaven. He actually has poured it out in the person of Jesus. Then in the person of the Holy Spirit. Don't limit God by your understanding. Make sure that your understanding is his understanding. God spoke to me recently in my spirit. I don't say he speaks audibly, but in my spirit. Is, so, we can get complacent because God has moved. And we get reliant on what he did in the past and... Oh, you don't know the meetings we used to have and then the Holy Spirit used to fall. And sometimes you can get a bit, you know, like, you know what, that were the good old days. But God's saying there's so much more coming, but I need you prepared to handle what's about to come. I'm excited. I can't wait. You see, a strange fire could be, I'm trying to implement something that God did in me or in us 10 years ago, but God's moving on. We can't keep doing it the old way. It's not wrong. We learn let me ask you a question. In the old days, they preached a certain way. They dressed a certain way. We don't, it's not what you wear and what you, what you eat. It's about where God's taken us. Remember the travel aid I was telling you about when I was coming back from Brazil? And the guy's walking and I'm walking and I got onto the travel aid and it just took me. You know, the ones at the airport. I never walked any faster, but I got a lot further. What happened? I was in the travel aid. In other words, God didn't move in Brazil because we went there. No, we moved in God and his presence took us to where he wanted us to go. We were in him. We were in rest and he took over. It wasn't that we, me and Rabir and, and Dory went to Brazil and God says, that's it, my boys are there. Oh, bro, that guy's raised the dead. I haven't raised the floor yet. <laughs> but when we walk in God, he takes you to places, takes you further you can ever go. But are you in him? See, get into his presence. See, some people say to me, I'm scared to spend time with God just in case I can't handle him. No, you're scared because he's going to reveal things that he wants to heal you from and you don't want to let go of them. Remember once we were in a counselling session and we said all the right things. The person agreed. We prayed. She manifested. She confessed. She repented. Wow, this is awesome. This thing went for two, three hours. Finally, and it was all about her husband. Finally, on the way out, she goes, but you don't know what he's done to me. I went, oh my God. (laughs) So was that all fake? 
She doesn't want to lose her story. She'd be through a horrific life. Don't get me wrong, but the Holy Spirit fell on her, revealed things in her childhood, and, and God was doing amazing things, and she's leaving still whinging about her husband. So she ain't going to change. Isn't that sad when you won't lose your story for his story? So I say to people all the time, they come into the church, they've got a story, praise God. After a while, they start changing their story. And I, go, I know when healing comes, when you can tell me about Jesus, not about your problem. We've all got problems. We've all been through problems. But can you tell me what Jesus has done? See, when I start changing my story for his story, then I know I'm healed. See, his story is a lot better than mine. My story can keep me bound and die. His story will give me life and healing. Amen. He didn't go. Out, he goes. Didn't go into all the world and preach. Guy. He goes testifying about what you've been through. Peter went around the world after Jesus rose from the dead. Man, I had fishing boats. Man, I was doing okay. And this Yeshua came along. Then I got into a fight. Man, I used to when I chopped, trying to chop the guy's head off, but I chopped his ear off. And he didn't go and tell him about what, all the problems he had. He didn't even go around telling them how I denied Jesus three times. You know what he said? I preached the gospel. Paul could have went around saying, you don't know who I was, man. I killed the first martyr. Oh, mate, I killed Stephen. I got him killed. He didn't go around saying, I used to... No, what he did, he was saying, I used to be like that, but look who I am now because of Christ and his Saviour, my Saviour. Get over your story. Because God already knows it. Bring it to the blood. Put it under the cross. Look up upon the cross and look beyond the cross. That he died for me. He was buried for me and he rose again and gave me new life. So I can stand before him in his presence. See, the Old Testament, they couldn't go in. The priest had to go in. But guess we've got an advocate to the Father. His name is Jesus. See, when, you've got to understand something. When Christ went to the cross, I went to the cross. The Bible says I've been crucified with Christ. How did I get crucified with Christ? I was born in 1970. Show my age now. 1970. But he died in then, 2,000 years ago. How did I die in Christ? How can something he did 2,000 years ago affect me today? But the minute I repent and put my faith and trust in him, what he did then goes on to my account. In other words, I'm reconciled with him and it's as if I died with him. Someone said to me, how does that work? If someone died to you, what's it going to do with me? I said, well, are you a sinner? He goes, yeah. He goes, well, how did that happen? Well, I sinned. Yeah, but where did the sin nature come from? Everyone's a sinner. Where did it come from? Adam, thank you. He'd done something 6,000 years ago that's affecting me today. Trust me, God can come down as a man. See, man cannot be God, but God can become man. He died on the cross for me and reconcile me for the future. That's why the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteous. In other words, it was put on an account and it was fulfilled at the cross when Jesus went. So Abraham, you believed, I'm going to put it on an account for you. When I get to the cross, I'll pay it in full. You can come into me and go straight into heaven. That's the salvation we have. But people want to get religious. Don't get religious. Get into faith. Your religion, your theology, your knowledge, your intellect does not please God. Only faith pleases God. I put my faith and trust in Him. I trust you, Lord. Live or die, I trust you. If I'm healed or not healed, you're my healer. If I'm blessed or not blessed, you're my blesser. 
Do you get what I'm trying to say here? It's impossible to please God without faith. The question is, it's not that God is always not strong enough. It's not that his spirit cannot touch you. It's not that the power of the Holy Spirit is not moving. It's what am I willing to receive and by faith? What am I willing to accept? Am I going to accept the prognosis? Am I going to accept the poverty? Am I going to accept this is how we did it? This is what my family was like? I can't get over this hurdle. You might be struggling. I tell young people all the time, you might be struggling with the sin. The greatest thing you cannot do is walk away from the Lord. You keep coming in your sin. Oh, but I can't. I feel like a hypocrite. Be a hypocrite, but come into his presence. Don't go away from his presence. Stay in his presence, even in your misery, even in the pit, because God's presence, the fire of God will burn it all out. Because there will come a time when you'll get that revelation that how much he loves you, and that you don't need to stay in that place. Amen? And put, be like Paul. People say to me, well, I didn't walk with Jesus and I wish I walked with Jesus and you know, I didn't eat with Jesus like the disciples and how are we supposed to live this out? Well, hello, Paul never walked with Jesus, never ate with Jesus, wasn't one of the 12. And Peter goes, something's Paul writes, it's hard to understand. Who taught Paul? Jesus appeared to him and then the Holy Spirit fed him. That's why praying in tongues, this is next week's message, praying in tongues is very important. Contrary to other people's theology. We'll knock that out of the park next week. I'm not trying to do things to stir people up. I just hate the fact that you take away the power of the gospel because of someone's theology. I don't care how smart they are. I've, I've sat with some smart theologians that know this better than me, but I know how he operates better than them because I'm dumb and I let him use me. I'm dumb. I don't... You know one thing I've learned? <laughs> I don't take myself too serious. But I know he takes me serious. So I allow him to work through me. Do I, do I, have I got, don't laugh at me like that. That's not fair. You're laughing. You're supposed to laugh. <laughs> That's it. Don't keep laughing and nudge your wife. This guy's an idiot. But I'm joking. No, seriously. Sometimes we get so fixated on what I need to know. I need to know who I know. So he can move through me. You know, in the Bible, there was two people that Jesus said, great faith. Who remembers the two people in the Bible? Great faith. The woman with the issue of blood, did she have great faith? No, she didn't. He says, faith, your faith has healed you. That's big enough effort because she jumped out with the issue of blood to touch his hem of his garment and she got found out. She, they would have stoned her. She was unclean. He says, your faith has healed you. There was two people. He says, great faith in the whole of Israel I've never seen. There's only two people. Who remembers who they are? One was a Roman centurion and the, the Phoenician lady. Everyone in the Bible, he said to the disciples, you have no faith. He said to her, you got faith. Blind Bartimaeus, your faith has healed you. But there's two people in the whole Bible that you see recorded. He said, great faith, which is a Roman centurion and the Syrian Phoenician woman. Two people outside the covenant. Two people that didn't have any laws in them. Two people that weren't even the covenant. They, weren't, they, were out, they were considered dogs by the Jews. And he says, and those two people had the greatest faith in his time. How, Lord? Because everyone was under a covenant. They weren't. They should have known what he was teaching. They didn't. What do you say to the Pharisees? Your tradition has made the word of God of no effect. Yet a Roman centurion who's occupying you, he's actually got your whole family and your cousins locked up. And, and, they, and then they, they oppressed you in your... And he says, but 
I know what authority is. You just say the word, he shall be healed. Great faith, this very hour. The Syrian Phoenician woman, who had, the, who had the greater faith between the two? I always ask that question. Was it the Roman or was it the woman? Why? Good man, that's what I reckon. I reckon it was the Roman. <laughs> it doesn't matter, but he called her, he goes, I can't give the bread of the father to dogs. He goes, but even dogs eat off the crumbs of the table. He goes, great faith. But you know what I believe it was the Roman centurion? Because that girl that was sick was her daughter. You would expect the mum to cry out for the daughter. But the Roman centurion went to his enemy and says, can you heal my servant? And I was, what he showed was greater than some of the churches showed. I'll go, oh, please, I beg you. I don't like you. Uh, we don't like Jews, but I can see you're a man of authority. I've got a servant at home, and, and, and can you heal him? He goes, very yeah. In other words, it's for someone else. They both wanted something for someone else. But they both weren't under the law. They were under outside the law. In other words, the more I think I know, the more I hold back God. The less I, the less I, I surrender my mind. I'm not saying go get, become dumb and intellectually stupid. I'm just saying I don't need to be a scholar. I just need to know him. God has used us many times in the gospel. There's some things that I've preached and, man, that was an amazing sermon. I go, I don't know what happened, but praise God, that God got healed. Let God be God in you. But we stand in his fire, his presence. Let him tell you what you need to do. Don't come with a checklist how much you're telling him. You know what they say? How do you make God laugh? Make a list and tell him what you want. I'll tell him how to do things. That's how you make God laugh. You know, a lot of the times, prayer doesn't change the circumstances. It changes you in the circumstance. Prayer gets a communication with him so he can reveal himself in me in the circumstance. Remember Paul says, Get, please, Lord, you know, I've got a thorn in my side. A messenger from Satan. Take it away. I ask God three times because my grace is sufficient. Once he realized it wasn't going away, he said, okay, Lord, done. Your grace is sufficient. Let's move on. We would complain. Send a letter to the bishops. Send a letter to Peter, Paul, and Mary, whatever. And say, this is not going away. I'm here to encourage you. Whatever you're going through is sometimes to allow you to teach that problem a lesson. See, some things you need to conquer, because if you don't and someone saves you from it, when it appears again, you'll be in the same position that you were first time. I've been there. Ignore it. It goes away. Suppress it. Forget about it. I don't want to deal with it. It's too hard. Then it comes back up. But if we stand in his presence, he won't let it go away. And he loves you through the pain. I can testify before God and before you, I've been through misery and back, through the pain and suffering, and I've known that he's loved me through it. And when you understand he's for you, not against you, no matter what, you can go through anything. See, you, most of us are more worried about what other people think about us and say about us than what he says about us. Get to know what he says about you. And there's nothing that can hold you back. And we won't end up like the two brothers, fire, the fire of God burning us up. We won't end up like Ananias and Sapphira. We'll end up like Paul. Whatever comes your way, people, listen to me, hear my heart. Whatever comes your way, God is for you and not against you. A strange fire. But when you come to God, believe that He is. 
What does that mean that he is? He's not your genie in a bottle. He's not your mate on a Sunday. He is the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth that gave you life. When I come to him, I believe that he is someone to be worshipped. I revere him through faith because of what Jesus did on the cross. I know God loves me because of what he did with Jesus on the cross. And I come to him and he rewards me because I diligently seek him. I search him out. If some of us would search out God more and search out the, your pastor or the black next door, you get so much more out of God. And like I said to you before, he wants to have a relationship with you and dialogue with you more than you're willing. He's speaking. Are we listening? Amen? Just want to recap. The fire, keep kindling the fire. The presence of God will always reveal the vipers in your life, whether it's external or internal. Faith will always destroy the enemy. The same fire that exposes the, the viper is the same fire that will deliver you from the viper. The enemy will always attack you where, where God anoints you. The fire of God will always lead you to your destiny. Can we stand? He loves you, man. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's just waiting for someone to believe what he already has said. How can God use you? How can God do anything with you if you don't know what he said? Not what I've said. Not what your parents have said. Not what you've heard as a kid. What is he saying today? You know, one of the things that has been on my case lately is I'm reading things that I thought I understood and I believe because people told me and pastors, beautiful. I had a great upbringing in the church. And God's just digging deeper and saying, but you've misunderstood it because you've carried it this way. And, this. and what is God doing? Is, is he trying to prove anyone wrong? No, he's trying to dig the word and open it up in you. See, the more I open it up, the more I thought I understood his love and mercy. And it's so much bigger than I could understand. So much more. We have this perception that and I've been in ministry now. I've been saved 21 years. And I can tell you about what God did in this part, part of my life and six years into the walk and what he did in Brazil and what he did in America. And what he did. I can tell you about all those things. And, and, and the, the sad thing is we could stay there. And, and then there's times where God has not moved, but we think he's not moving because the manifestations aren't there. And, 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 and the sad thing is that we think that he's not moving and we need to do more. And God's saying, I'm preparing you for what's coming. See, I'm not, I'm at that station where there's a thousand people here. I was just saying to the rabbis, you know, we could have a thousand people here. Someone asked me at work, what is your plan? What's the future? I go, strong families, strong leaders, safe kids, great marriages. That's what we long for. I was listening to a guy, he's doing an interview. He's in, uh, in America, he's an older bloke. He's in this, I forget the organization he was with. And he was talking about, is the problem in America racism? You know, the blacks, uh, you know, they're on welfare. And there's a lot of issues there. He goes, no. He goes, during the, during the segregation and during the time where there was, I wasn't allowed to go on a bus, I wasn't allowed to go to the toilet, we had 85% of our families of a husband and wife, mother and father raising children. Now that we've got all the freedom in the world, we've got 20%. The problem isn't the fact that we're, someone's racist. The problem is the fact that our fathers have walked away and there's an incentive to have single mothers are having children. So what's the enemy done? He's trying to dissect and destroy the family unit which is the very fabric in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 that God laid out. 
I looked and I heard, there was just a little quip. I heard it and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and reminded me of what he spoke to me. Have the father strong, have the wives secure, have the children safe. Why? Well, we know things happen and people, things go wrong. I get that. I'm not joking. If you've been through a breakup, don't take this the wrong way. All I'm saying is that that's what we're about. These young boys here, these young girls here, man, grow up to have the kingdom of God within you because the world's going to eat you, chew you up and spit you out. The world does not love you, but God loves you. He's so good, man. So good. Strong in Him. Don't let your dis- don't let discouragement and, and things that are coming against. I often say this: what you get out of God is what you put into Him. I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm not talking about you know. I'm talking about what are you willing to sow in your life with Him? And sometimes the sowing period and the watering period is the most boring period because it looks like nothing has happened. No farmer sows a seed and says, man, what's going on? Nothing's happening. He knows there's a process. He knows there's time. And God's asking us, give me time. The time I spend with Him. You might walk out of there and think, you know what? My problem hasn't gone away. It doesn't matter. If you spend it with Him, You become like Him. You become edified by Him. You become empowered by Him. There's no other way. Sorry, there's no other way. You have to kindle the fire. You have to kindle the fire. We can come to Bible studies, we can wave some, and get some air in there, but you have to kindle the fire. Stop believing the lie of the enemy. I start believing the truth of his word. His word will set you free. Amen. His word will set you free. And I'll leave you with this. The last thing Jesus said, one of the last things he said, I will always be with you even to the end of the age. Not the end of the world, end of the age. He'll always be with you. He's with us right now. When there's two and three gathered, He's in the midst of us. And it's easy to find His presence when we're all together in a corporate atmosphere. It's very easy. But you know what He longs for? That you have His presence when you're one-on-one. He can very easily deal with us individually in this room. He's God. But how much more for you when you're one-on-one with Him? How good is that? Just you and Him. Just you and Him. The question I ask and I would ask, pose to you is, what's stopping you from having that one-on-one relationship with Him? That's a question for you to answer, not for me. Because if I want to solve a problem in my home as a father, I need to get one-on-one with Him. If I've got a financial issue, it's one-on-one with Him. If I've got a personal issue, one-on-one with Him. If I've got sickness in my family, one-on-one with Him. If I've got issues at the church, one-on-one with Him. If I've got some issues at work, one-on-one with Him. Oh, is it all about him? Yeah. Only way I will know if I sit with him. He's the architect of my life, the architect of the world. If I sit with him long enough to know, my flesh will be destroyed, my spirit will be saved, and guess what? I'll hear from him. I'm trying to unwind what I've learned. 
I'm not saying it's wrong what I've learned. I'm saying, but I can't rely. It becomes an idol what I've learned. I don't want to know what I've learned. I want to know who He is and what He's doing today. Because it's very important that we know what He's doing today. Some of us are still doing what He said to do 10 years ago. No, no. What is He doing today? Isn't it true? That's the truth of God's Word. He moves with us. He, we all have our life in Him. And tonight is the night that we say, Father, whatever you need to do in me, do it tonight. I'm all yours. And some will have an encounter. Some will be, oh, nothing happened. Some will be, I'm getting there. Don't abort the mission. Stay strong in Him. Don't put a timeline on God. I've learned one thing in my life. It's not my, in my time, it's in His time. So, I mean, I sat there for two days, three days, two years, three years, ten years, and all of a sudden, bang. No, no, no. That didn't just come bang. Because you sat with him, that bang came. That make sense? I don't know what happened. I don't know how he grew up. He was just one minute he was born, now he's 21 years old. When that comes in, and when you get that breakthrough, guess what? You think, oh, wow. But it's all the time that you spent. Don't let go of him. Stay focused on him. You know when Peter got out of the boat? He says, if, it's, it's a walk of faith, eh? Literally. Is that, Lord, is that you? Who thinks of saying, Lord, is that you? If it is, you ask me to come. Where did he get that from? Where did he ever think that he could walk on water? And Jesus says, come. So he steps out of the boat. And it was a faith walk. But the Lord showed me, I was talking, when was it? We were chatting at home with AJ and someone else. We were just having a chat. And I said, when Peter got out of the boat, it was a, call me, it's faith, he walked on water. But he had his eyes on Jesus. So the longer, closer he got, he became like Jesus in the sense of, it wasn't his faith to walk on water. It was he had his eyes fixed on Jesus who became like him, who could walk on water. And because he had his eyes fixed on Jesus, he could walk. The minute he took his eyes off and saw the storm, what happened? He fell. And the Bible says Jesus picked him out of the water. So how close was he? See, some of us, our breakthrough is just there, but we just took our eyes off Jesus. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Because if I've got my eyes fixed on Jesus, I'm just like him. There's times where you can do things and say, where did I get that from? Where did I do that from? What happened there? You know why? Because my eyes are fixed on Him. See, when my eyes are fixed on Jesus, I'm not looking at the storm. I'm not looking at the boat. I'm not looking at my mates. I'm not looking at my mum. I'm not looking at my wife. I'm looking at Him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. If you fix your eyes on Jesus, you become like Him. I'm not saying you become God, but I'm saying you become like Him in His nature and character. That's what He said. That's, what, that's His promise. In this world, it says, you do greater things because I go to the Father. Are we going to do greater things than Jesus? No. But because He goes to the Father, He can send us the Holy Spirit who leads us into Jesus. And then we can do greater things. What a promise, amen? That's a promise, amen. Give the Lord a clap, man. I encourage you. God's taking us a... God's taking us somewhere. And sometimes we don't know where we're going. Abraham, just go. I trust you, Lord. But I trust you in every way. 
And some of us trust him just when we've got problems. Do you trust him in your blessings? Do you trust him in everything? I trust him in everything. Lord, you have your way. I need to trust him in everything. Because the minute I take my hands off him, guess what? It's, I'm now doing it in my own strength. And that's when the enemy can come and just trip you over. I don't believe what you say. I believe what he says. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight. We love you. We honor you, Jesus, for your love and mercy. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room, Father, that the work you started in them, you will complete. For those that have been there a while, Father, you will still encourage them and burn that fire greater in their, in their hearts, Father. For those who just got to know you recently, Father, that you, the work you start, the work you would teach them, that you would show them how much they, you love them. For those who are struggling with situations that they, seem, see, they can't seem to get over that hurdle, Father, that you don't judge them by their hurdle, you judge them by the, what you did at the cross. I pray a blessing upon everyone in the name of Jesus. Our Father, I thank you for your wisdom upon people's lives. I thank you, Lord, that they surrender to your will, that your kingdom come, and that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't walk in the things of the flesh. We walk in the things of the Spirit. You are the great teacher, Holy Spirit. Show us your glory. Show us your faith. Purge what was not of you, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray the Father's love upon everyone. That you see Jesus. Your eyes are fixed on Jesus. Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. I thank you, Lord, that you're touching people's hearts as we speak. That you would grow them into another level, another dimension of you. We're not orphans. I break the spirit of orphan, the orphan spirit upon people. You are sons and daughters of the living God. Your names are written in his book. He's called you by name. I thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's a very good time to give your life to Him now. Repent of your sins. Bow your knee to Him and ask Him to forgive you. And He will come and wash you and He will make you as white as snow. He will deliver you from the enemy's hands and He will set you free. He adopts us into His family and now we have legal right in the inheritance of the Lord. And we thank you for your glory tonight. I give you all the praise, Father. I thank you for your wonderful grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.